I think we're recording. This is a cold open. I like it. Ooh, it's chilly. <laughs> All right. We are going to talk about us building Chipper CI, our continuous integration net for Laravel, because we want to, and podcasting is fun. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. Where do, I don't even know where to start. We kind of have a loose outline for this first episode, uh, and we'll just basically probably talk about how we got the idea started and just see where that takes us. Yeah. Cool. So it sounded like I, I thought I had this idea first in my head, and I'm sure everyone thinks they have their own ideas first, but it turns out that like the beginning of Chipper was sort of planted in your brain, I don't know, like a year before it even dawned on me. It could be. I don't know if um, I don't know if it was first or not because we have no idea what the timing was really. I just remember we just both like I saw you struggling at microconf with setting this thing up in CodeShip, which is exactly the app I used at work. And I was like, that sucks. I've been in that exact position. I spent two days setting up this stupid app because CodeShip is so weird or they're all weird. Yeah. And um, I was like, I had this idea for a Laravel one because I think you can make it really specific to Laravel and make it really easy set up for a continuous integration app. Uh, and you're like, I had that idea too. And, um, yeah, that kind of sparked it. Yeah. I, I had actually been thinking about it for like three weeks cause I was doing all sorts of setups and code ship and other CI like tools. I'm just like, man, it seems like a really open spot in the market for, at least for people like me who just want to like plug it in and never think about it again. Yeah. Right. I think that's a lot of people, especially in the Laravel universe, you can kind of just, I mean, Laravel has an opinion, so you can have an opinionated continuous integration app that knows those opinions and kind of caters to them. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of that because I set up CodeShip for uh, this app thermostat that I work on at work, and um, it was kind of a mess. I don't even run unit tests in it because I still have not gotten unit tests to work, which is like <laughs> the, the errors are so weird. It's like an authentication timeout error that I've never seen anywhere else. I don't I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. Like maybe I have to, cause I use the version of PHP unit and everything that comes out of the box in the composer package that gets installed. So I'm not like using external self that they dependencies that they install or anything. So I just never figured it out. It was so annoying. So I use, um, cause I use code ship to deploy, to kick off deploys right now. I don't even do the testing part. So just as a trigger. Amazing. Exactly. Um, I know I lost the plot in that line of thinking, but I just had to complain about it real quick because I was so mad about it when it happened. But um, <laughs> I had used, I'd set up CodeShip a few months ago. Um, so that's when I was really like, God, I could I could really use an app that's like tailored to kind of uh, Laravel PHP apps. So I don't know if that wins the race of <laughs> having the idea first or what, but... It seems like you had it a little bit before. I did absolutely zero things to like make that happen. So whatever. It was just an idea. <laughs> it was just birthed in your brain at least. Yeah. Um, That's, I guess it was like microconf. We talked a bunch about it and then wound up sort of like non-committally like working on it. Just yeah. kind of like, I'm kind of thinking through how this would work. Right. Like, I love a good deferred commitment. Or just yeah. talk about it. Be like, I mean, the, the idea keep, kept coming back to me and I think you had the same experience. For too long, we had a repo and I was just kind of like, oh, I'm yeah. kind of doing this. I'm kind of just coding things. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm kind of working on Docker stuff. <laughs> right. We um, didn't, I, I still remember messaging you what, the week after MicroConf? I'd be like, all right, are we actually doing this? And I remember you were like, I couldn't think of anything else in the play right now. <laughs> all right, I guess that's a yes, we're doing it. Yeah, I, I was kind of like side, 
or side tabling some of the stuff I was already working on. Like, you know, obviously I have Nova, which is my product that I work on full time, but then I also have a new version of Push Silver and Cron Dog, like kind of together that I had been working on. And right. sort of, so, sort of those splitting all of those, which is not ever, you know, what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be like singularly focused on. Yeah, I don't know. That's not reality, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about real quick about what the other stuff we do have going on because I know I have other stuff as well. Um, so, our excuse me, I burped. That's good. That's good podcasting. <laughs> um, our our constraints, right? Um, we're both fathers. Both have families. Uh, we both have things that are jobs, basically, right? I have a full time job. You um, work on Nova, basically full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you and Taylor made, right, for Laravel, Laravel Horizon, or I'm sorry, Laravel Nova, not Horizon. Yeah. Um, and so we both have, like, time constraints and other things that bring in income that need attention. So, like, it can't just be, like, full-time, uh, you know, so dev work on this one app, which would be awesome, but, you know, it's not a reality. So we're working under those constraints, and I think still we've gotten pretty far pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, it's actually running. We have a sort of like a pre-alpha that we're playing with right now. And I, I have a good amount of like runway if like I didn't have a job or I didn't have right. Nova. I could work on it a little while. But yeah, definitely have the, right. con- the time constraints, the biggest constraint really. It is. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have had some runway a bit, but that's starting to get eaten away with because we're expecting a second kid and we have all these like stupid things we need to buy. So just like watching the money disappear. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun stuff. So we'll see. Um, you know, maybe we'll go bankrupt. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if it's wildly popular, we could go bankrupt because it's wildly popular. Yeah, who knows what these server costs? But are most likely, if there is a, something that's going to harken the death of the product, it's going to be that nobody cares. And I think we've tried to like take the best steps we can to not to, to make sure that's not the case. Yes, that is true. I think we both have kind of like the right audience who are both really deep in the Laravel community. Um, I think I think this is a good idea. Still, I haven't had as much. Uh, times where I've been nervous about it failing as I have with other things, other ideas I've had and have actually like been coding towards. Um, this one still, this one still feels pretty good. And even talking to people, it still is like, uh, still feels like a good idea to me, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess after the microconf and working on it for a little bit, I guess we committed because we, said, let's make a landing page and start telling people about it. Landing page. I have put my credit card down on a few things, like a stupid Gmail and like uh, one password account. I forget. Something, some minor stuff. I mean, I've really spent like 60 bucks total, but it's still greater than zero. Yeah. <laughs> We're still in the hole. We're now. We're in the hole 60 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> and all the time. But yeah. Uh, so how did the the landing page go? How did the landing page go? It went well. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of signups opening day, right? So it might be like 600 and we probably have, I mean, I can look it up while I'm talking, but we have probably over a thousand signups of interest right now. And that is from opening day to now, which has been what, a month. Mm-hmm. We haven't really even tweeted it again. No, I was going to say, we haven't really uh, talked about it again either. So um, I'm looking in, 
ConvertKit is about just under a thousand actually for the waiting list. So that's cool. Chipperci.com. Anyone listening wants to check it out. Yeah, um, those are double confirmed. Those are not right. just like dumping them in the database. <laughs> right, it's true. Um, so that's cool. Uh, we at least have people there. There's some emails in that. Uh, we have like a quick drip sequence, uh, one of which is an email that asks for you to fill out a survey to give us a little bit more information about how you use continuous integration. And that was kind of neat. We both have read this book, The Mom Test, which has kind of recently been talked about a bunch on a random business podcast recently. Um, and that's a really good book for you know how to talk to people, telling you how to talk to people in a way where they won't kind of lie to you. Mm-hmm. And by lie to you, we mean like, tell you it's a great idea when they like they couldn't give a crap less about it yeah I, that's like the book was like common knowledge or it should be common knowledge almost it's like right it's it's very logical but you don't think that way when you're trying to build a product and you want everybody to like it you're looking for any affirmation possible but this book's like turns it on its head like you're looking for every reason to stop doing what you're doing basically right and it's being like, it's very focused on getting to what people actually do in reality versus what they say they're going to do, which are always two very different things. So asking like, what have you done to solve this problem before is a very different question from, would you pay me X dollars a month for an app that did, you know, did X. Right. So yeah, I like, I like that book a lot. That was kind of eye opening. Um, I have talked to some people about this app and I've gotten kind of, you know, positive things about them. Uh, one interesting thing is that a lot of people I've talked to are already doing continuous integration. So I have two thoughts on that. One is like people are already doing continuous integration. So they are already, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've, they've already shown interest that they are going to use an app in that, whether it's, you know, for their business or for their side projects or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. They um, care about having their tests run or right, deployed exactly. or whatever. There's, there's like someone who cares enough to pay for an app to do that. Uh, cause the people I've talked to are, you know, generally not in the free plan of stuff. Although many people, I'm, some people are, but not all people. So people are actually paying for applications that do this. Um, I haven't talked to a lot of people who have not doing continuous integration, but want to, which is a very interesting question because, um, we're still figuring out what our market is going to be. Like, is it going to be like a higher volume, uh, people, uh, of people who kind of need a quick and easy setup for the Laravel app that does a runs a few tests and then kicks off a deployment to like forge or envoy or something, mm-hmm. or, are we going to kind of get pushed by people asking for features to do more advanced things like have a pipeline for testing and a pipeline for building like a, a deployment, you know, asset file that gets pushed, uh, you know, some place then kicks off a build some in some other fancier way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where that's going to go now. Or people that have like really elaborate configurations, they need yeah, all sorts of right. Docker customization. Right. Like custom Docker images and um, they need to install like, Pickle pickle libraries that no one else is like uses normally, so we probably wouldn't think to include them. Um, you know, because right now our baseline is a, to be a very forge like uh, instance. We're using Docker for builds. The Docker container is very close to a uh, forge setup in terms of what PHP modules install and versions of PHP, and you can switch versions of PHP, and it has a bunch of different versions of Node in it. Um, 
but we don't include like Redis and Memcache and databases, although we do have a feature to let you do Redis and let you do, you know, different database types as well. Uh, but that's just not built into the same one container. It's using multiple containers at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it matters, but the baseline there is that it's very Forge-like. So, but it, I don't know if we're going to be pushed into a direction where we need to allow people to actually like install their own stuff because they're using some like you know, pickle library that stopped getting maintained in 2010, but they still need it for some business use case. Yeah. So like the, the main use case is just try to like mimic well, what we are assuming is a lot of people's production environments, which is forge. Um, which I know for me personally, that's the only place I really deploy on now is forge. And I use Envoy to actually to deploy those. I use forge servers and deploy with Envoy. And so like, this is one of those cases where I'm like actually building it for me. And I know precisely what I do and the assumption and some of the data is still like waiting to come in. But the assumption is that there's a lot of people in that kind of tier that are testing a little bit, want to test more, but the CIA, you know, story is too hard or, or expensive for some people. Yeah. Um, especially like, I don't, I will figure this out. Pricing is interesting because all of the, other CI apps, the popular ones, except for maybe GitLab, because CI is just kind of like an addition to their other services. But they almost all have a free tier. Um, and some are more limited than others. But, you know, generally it's kind of limited enough where you're going to want to get out of the free tier pretty quickly for most real-world use cases, what it seems like to me. Um, and then the first tier is 50 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And often it goes up in chunks of 50 bucks, depending on things like concurrency, like how many builds you want or need to run at a time. Um, How many pipelines run simultaneously. Yeah. And I'm interested to see if that is a thing that the continuous integration kind of businesses have all copied off of each other, or if they all have like done research and like do that and price off of that for a very specific reason maybe because of infrastructure costs or maybe because um, they need a certain price point, um, well, to be profitable, which would be because of infrastructure costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Too. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea that we have right now. We're gonna probably going to um, not have a free tier. Uh, this is our original idea. We'll see how it bears out. But probably not have a free tier, but have a good uh, free trial period. Um and then probably do like a money back guarantee type thing within, you know, a, a certain amount of time, some kind of reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Um, and then maybe come in under that $50 a month too, uh, because that seems very in line with kind of how people support the Laravel community by not, you know, trying to get as much blood out of the stone as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the businesses have the blood, you know, but if we're assuming that, well, like with Nova, I can tell you that, 75% of the people use the solo license and then around 25% use the pro license. So if that, if that's somewhere where we fall, then there's a lot more to be had in the, like the, the personal developer, like the couple people that are working on it type of developers. Yeah. So it's really interesting. We'll see. I could definitely see like, a. Developer solo. I don't know what the wording would be. Like the the lower tier would be like the features that kind of matter for that person's use case, and the higher tier could be like for the business use case where you need more concurrency or you need like teams features. You know, whatever feature makes sense for um, businesses with multiple people who may need access to uh, you know set up projects and manage them and all that. 
Yeah, so we're figuring out pricing. Oh, the build system actually itself, like the cost is another yeah, aspect that's like... That's going to be interesting. <laughs> that's the probably the biggest unknown, I think, right? Yeah, um, we can kind of estimate, but we got to see... I guess we can't. We have to see what the real usage is like. Because so far, the usage of the build system that we've been doing is like, you know, building Chipper CI within cheaper Chipper CI's build system and like doing some of our side project repositories in there. Um, and a lot of time, mostly running them locally on within, you know, local Docker for Mac just to like make sure everything works. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I set up a production level infrastructure for this, although. Um, the build system is still a little naive in, in how it works. Um, I don't know if naive, it's just simple, which, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I'm not using like a fancy scheduler like Kubernetes or something. Um, or Nomad, which is one I've looked at kind of hard because something to use in the future, potentially. Uh, Nomad from HashiCorp. So we'll see how that works out. So we've got to figure out what the server load looks like when real people use this and have builds running concurrently and that kind of thing. Like how many concurrent builds can a server actually run without crapping out? Yeah. Um, what size servers do we need? How much is that going to cost in a month? Is there a setup we could do where we can spin down servers like over the weekend where less builds happen? You know, all sorts of like crazy ideas and things we could do to reduce costs. But we also have to see like what the baseline is for that. That yeah. that might be why people charge fifty bucks a month, <laughs> and like they still support a free tier, uh, you know, a lot of these places, but they're also funded. So like we're not funded at all. So you know, we got to kind of explore all that and just see where it lands. Yeah, I think it's kind of a weird, like the Bootstrapper CI service is like <laughs> built by Bootstrappers is real interesting. Whereas <laughs> it seems exist? like, yeah, does it seem possible? That's the you know, there's these other places have like tens and twenties of developers and right. infrastructure people. And we're basically two guys just trying it, trying it out. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens. We'll get trickle people in slowly. I got that production infrastructure up. We'll probably get some like friends in there to use their apps and see what holes they can poke in the system. Um, while we also continue to develop some of the features that are not like super core, but we still want and probably need in there for it to be a real app. Yeah. Do we want to talk about like kind of what we have already? Like we have the to do list. We didn't really talk about that, but the basically what we've got done so far, man, we've got a bunch done. Let's see. Um, right now you can integrate GitHub and Bitbucket. I haven't done GitLab yet. Um, but you can do those two. I think those two will kind of be the biggest. I don't know, but, I, but we'll see how the data bears out again. We'll see how many people yell about me not doing GitLab yet. Um, but I mean, maybe I'll do GitLab before this even goes out to a, even a beta. Yeah. Um, you can integrate with those. You can build builds, right? So we have the we have a default uh, set of commands that get created that will run, you know, attempt to run a build against a Laravel app. Um, when you hook up to our repository that Laravel is inside of. So those are kind of basic, but should work for like 90% of people because it's really just installing the Laravel app, right? Getting the composer dependencies, um, checking to see if NPM is present, like an NPM lock file versus a yarn lock file and deciding to run yarn or NPM based on that. Then build static assets because a lot of times you need a static assets built so that you get the manifest file so that um, calls to mix work so you don't get errors yeah. in your CI pipelines because you, you know, know dust tests failing because there's no no yeah. mix manifest it's actually hitting it 
Right. And then all, not even dust tests, but just any test that hits like an HTTP endpoint that renders a view at the end of it. Right. Right. Um, so it does all that stuff. So it's a good baseline setup, which that's kind of the nicest part, really. Um, I'm a little nervous about it because we'll, I, I don't know how many people are going to be like, oh, this isn't good enough. I need to like tweak all this stuff because uh, we want to, as much as possible, make it like a zero configuration thing um, for most people. Uh, that's not really a possible goal, right? Because a lot of times people are going to have some kind of thing that they need to add into their pipeline to add tests or, you know, test certain a different way or, um, or like just private composer packages, that sort of thing. You need to have right. stored credentials and that kind of thing you got to yep. think about. Right. Which is a feature we're going to hopefully add in soon as well to make that easy. So you don't have to, um, like code that in using like a bash script or whatever to, uh, put into your application. Um, so we can hopefully just generate like the, uh, composer auth.json file for you. If you just give us the username and password in the repository to use like in during the setup while you're configuring the, uh, the project. Um, what are we missing? We have some hooks to hook into, uh, forge and envoy, um, or anywhere you want to send a post deploy hook to, or, you know, a post build webhook that could be used for deployment. Yeah. The idea being you could like ping Envoyer and have them trigger a, a full on build deployment. Um, yeah, it's a bunch of stuff. I sort of at work, uh, like I mentioned, uh, for, I'm using code ship for this application thermostat. Thermostat is like, uh, a two tier app in AWS, like kind of like this generic, Load balancer set up application servers behind a private network. Only the load balancer is really behind a public network. Um, so Envoy can't SSH into the servers itself, right? So our deploy process is a little custom that way. Uh, we do a thing where we kind of have, uh, within CodeShip, I build the um, production assets, right? So the composer production stuff, not the development stuff. I run uh, Yarn or NPM or whichever it is for production instead of for um, dev. Uh, and then build a zip file that gets sent to S3, and then uh, the deploy steps pull for the, that built uh, asset from S3 and deploy that to the various servers. So I have like a bunch of kind of custom stuff going on there. Um, right now, Chipper wouldn't support that, but I'm wondering if we can like make a feature where I don't want. I'm wondering if people will want that. Like I would want that for that thermostat app too. Yeah, like what um, are people actually doing? How many people? Yeah, are exactly. Built doing asset or. Um artifact building artifacts that's the word i was looking for before um it's interesting because the other thing i could do is just change the deploy setup because i'm in aws and aws has deploy services which i just have not used yet uh because i think they they seemed like they made a lot of assumptions about the servers you use and that kind of stuff that i didn't want to go i just didn't want to go down that road but i think there's kind of a medium or the road approach where we could have aws automate it in which case the process to kick off a deploy would be anything from just hitting an API endpoint in AWS and then it does everything else like building the, the assets and all that uh, or a medium road, medium road approach where um, Chipper CI builds the static assets and puts them in S3 and then AWS takes over and does the rest, grabbing it from S3 and deploying that uh, that artifact. So we, we got to like basically talk to more people and just see what they do. Yeah, see what kind of emerges out of the alpha testing or beta testing, yeah. whatever stage it winds up. The stuff that is not live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did billing. I did a bunch of the the billing crap, you know, payment methods and 
viewing invoices, adding extra information to your invoices. All right, um, yeah, teams. People will need that. Team yeah, teams, that. inviting team members, all that stuff that uh, I guess it's kind of popular right now to not do any of that and just manually onboard everybody. But it depends, have, yeah. You know, people like just going into Stripe and taking your credit card over the number, over the over the phone. That's But that always just seems kind of weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I think the context depends on that too. Um, just like what kind of app you're making. I think it makes sense for us to have some of that in place already, but you know, yeah. And if you Um, needed to absolutely get something out and validated and potentially paying right away, that might be what you'd want to do versus we don't have that pressure just yet, that financial pressure to be succeed so we can kind of build in some of the nicer features. I wonder if we'd be doing better if we did have that. Yeah. <laughs> just going to quit of any income and this has to succeed. Yeah. That'd be scary. Not a thing I'm going not a thing I'm going to do. Um that is kind of nice about our setups though is that there's not a lot of pressure that if we need to take 3 months off of this for ourselves, you know, assuming someone else didn't take up the reins and beat us to market. <laughs> uh but even then you, we could still compete. But it's nice to not have the financial pressure of like quitting our jobs, which is the, the big like idea and the more like venture capital. Yeah. World I mean, like, that ship has sailed too, because we're not 24 anymore. Mm-hmm. I am literally a decade older than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like got kids, got a mortgage, all that good stuff. So, um, it's just not happening. Yeah. No, but that's okay. Cause I, the, the, the time constraints are very useful for me personally. Like my personality, I kind of need that to get work done because otherwise I just play video games instead. Yeah. The temptation to play rocket league <laughs> is real strong, but you're like, Oh, I've only got, you know, two hours before I'm totally worthless to the world. Yeah, I'm going to go right. blast on, you know, billing and payment method updating and that kind of stuff. And yeah, those exactly. really, those like focused chunks of work can be really productive versus like having all day forever until your runway runs out. Hundred percent true. Like my kid is gonna wake up around six AM every day and he does not care if dad stayed up till two AM or if dad went to bed at ten like he's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> he does not care. So like, you know, I'm getting up and no matter what, so I better have enough sleep to deal with the day. Yeah. Um one thing that crossed my mind real quick, I guess we can start wrapping this up too, so don't go too long, is that we are going about this very much like developers and making a lot of the product. Um and it might sound like we're not validating it enough. And I have that concern in the back of my head, but I have been talking to a bunch of people, getting on calls and stuff like that. And, um, oh, this goes back also to the mom test, which we kind of um, switched topics from. Uh, one interesting thing that we can do, because we've talked to a bunch of people who are already doing continuous integration, is just have them show us their setup. Right. And that gets around a lot of the things like, hey, would you pay for a product that does continuous integration for you? Because the answer is already yes. So I can kind of just dive right in and see their setup already. And, just, and I've only talked to a few people, so I want to talk to a bunch more. But I want to see like how complicated their setups are, essentially. You know, are they just running PHP unit and then triggering something else? Or do they have to do all, do all this custom work to set their environment up? You know, how how complicated is everything for people? Like how much how much can we, or do we have to support, um, you know, what features do we need to allow people to have 
and all that kind of good stuff. So gearing towards that, I need to talk to more people and I want to, and I also have in the back of my high, back of my mind that like, I hope I'm just like that. We're not just going straight towards development a hundred percent and like where we actually should be validating stuff a little more. So yeah. We'll see. I mean, there's definitely risks there and there's risks within trying to do that. Well, because you could, our audiences could be, all those enterprise kind of customers that want something that we can't build as two people, <laughs> but where we're, there might still be a market of people that are like just getting started, getting, you know, their test, their test running in continuous integration and we just aren't able to reach them. So like, there's all even like that kind of risk. Like we, there's a validated market, but that we can build for, but we're just not able to, to serve them or reach them yet. There's definitely a CI market. Um, are there these people not being served on the lower end where it's like a volume play? You have more people doing, um, you know, less intense stuff, uh, or do we need to go up market to even find a market that's willing to pay? And then, and can you compete with the bigger teams at that point? Yeah, that's interesting too. And then the Laravel niche is interesting. Um, I just in general, in terms of supporting everything, um, mm-hmm. I really like niching down on Laravel cause it's a very popular you know, framework on it. So it's, it's, it's not a tiny, tiny market. And it's our people. It is our people. Like we are very entrenched in this uh, community and kind of like know, have a good idea, uh, feeling for, for how it's used and what kind of stuff we should support. Yeah. We're able to speak kind of authoritatively a bit in those realms. You know, you talked at like Laracon and that kind of thing. And yeah, me being involved with Nova kind of gives me a place to see those people. Like even just seeing what people are doing with Nova, like in these weird setups that people have, it gives you a lot of insight. For sure. So, um, yeah, next steps are really just finding more people to talk to. We have the email list so I can start emailing strangers. Um, there are a few more like people I know, uh, you know, no more than I know a stranger <laughs> more yeah. readily. So I talked to those people too. Um, so I think yeah, I think we're going to write a couple more emails out, kind of mm-hmm. keep that train going. Yeah. Sort of talk, start the conversation around the product and see if we can mine more useful data out of that. Right. And in fact, I haven't emailed my main newsletter list for the service for hackers people. Cause that's a lot of Laravel servery people. So that'd be, um, something I still need to do. Get them, get them to sign up for a Chipper CI mailing list also, but then also kind of like introduce them to the idea and talk about the features and all that kind of stuff. All right. I think that's all I got here. What do you think? Yeah. Sounds like a good first podcast and we can just kind of do, I don't know, weekly, every two weeks, something like that. We'll start talking about uh, what we're up to and how stuff is yeah. going. All right. It's good. All right. Until next Later. time.